Welcome to the Rhema Young Adults Podcast, where we focus on developing a God-centered life. We're so glad you are here, and our hope is to see young adults grow and take steps in their walk with God. We hope you enjoy this message. Teams, we're real estate investors um, as a family. Tell him how many million you did last year? Uh, I got to brag on him. Twenty-nine million in sales last year. Oof. We're up hundred and four percent this year, year over year. So. Miss um, Cassandra is in the back, Josiah's wife. She's our team admin. She knows all of our numbers, so yeah. she literally keeps me straight. Um, so yeah, we pastored. I had a really long corporate career in marketing and strategic planning, and uh, kind of got out of the corporate gig to get into consulting, which got me into construction, which got me into real estate. So it's a fun little journey. Awesome. Uh, y'all know me. I'm Zach. What's up? Um, I have been here for three years. Uh, is the best job in the planet, being a youth pastor. Uh, I have an incredible team. It makes me re- look really good. Uh, they're really awesome. Uh, and then I've been in youth ministry for seven years total now. Started youth ministry when I was 20. Got married the same year and uh, have two kids and a third on the way. Got married and started ministry same year. Yeah, not recommend that, by the way. Um, and I will tell you my hair routine. I will. Like Miss Denise said, I, I will tell you that. So that's about me. Your hair routine? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know people were asking about it, but okay. That's awesome. Okay, well, I'm Ashley. I'm married to Zach. Most people know me as Zach's wife, so I can relate to that, Don. Um, and I've been in ministry as long as he has. I grew up a pastor's kid, um, came to Rama. We met here, um, got married right after graduation. I did the student ministries group at Rama. So, um, pastor Denise was my teacher and she still does fun Fridays. So if you ever do student ministry, she does fun Fridays and she'll, she like lavishes gifts upon you and treats and it's fantastic. But, um, and she so, doesn't do that at home. Oh, <laughs> There's no fun on Friday. <laughs> so, but yeah, so um, been here at Rama back for three years since 2020. Um, obviously a mom of two kids. We have a third on the way. And um, also Pastor Denise's assistant during the day. So, yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me. All right, well, my name is Anthony Washington. Praise God. <laughs> And I have um, probably been in music ministry, I would say all my life, but like really seriously, I'm here at Raymond the last 11 years being super involved with the music department. Um, I get to travel with the Hagans on the road and assist them uh, and do the music and do whatever else they need me to do on the road. Um, me and my wife, we've been married for almost five years. We met here at Raymond. She saw me singing and just could not resist and hold back. Praise <laughs> You know, she's like, who's that fine chocolate teddy bear up there on the side? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. And uh, we're just excited to be here and be a part of all that God's doing here at Rhema and around the world. So as you guys can tell, my name is uh, Kadeen, and I'm normally the the person in the back. Uh, 
But I will tell you the truth about the story at a later date of what really happened. But um, right now, I've actually worked at Rama in the admissions department. Um, I worked in the accounting department. And then right now, I'm currently working as a project manager at a digital marketing company. And like he said, he's answered all the questions. But I'm normally the person behind him. But I'm glad to be out here today. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Ready question. for the questions? We are. So are you guys ready? ready? I've been getting a lot of questions in today. So we're going to start off with our first question um, that we have, and it's what is the best book or advice that helped you practically in life so far? So a book or advice. And I'll start with Ms. Denise and Dawn. Okay. Want me to start? Yeah, you go ahead. Okay. I did forget to say that um, we have been married in June. It'll be 24 years. Um, Although we did meet when we were 15, but we didn't get married until we were, what, 26. So it's a long story. Long story. Anyways, okay. Uh, She dumped dumped me three times. (laughs) We'll give you the details another time, but gentlemen, that's the truth. That's the bottom line. Well... Well, anyways. Hmm. Okay, best advice or book? Um, I'm going to go with advice. So actually, probably the best practical advice that I've gotten for my life was from uh, my Mima, my Mima Hagen. This is my uh, dad's mom. Um, And it was actually, I was contemplating whether I wanted to marry him or not. Uh, we had been engaged. This was our third time being engaged and I wasn't quite sure. And so I was over at her house and I was like, but Mima, like, what if this, and then what if I marry him? And then what if this, and what if this, and what if this? And she finally looked at me and said this piece of advice. She said, honey, you're never going to go very far in life if you're constantly living in the what ifs. And so, (laughs) so I often remember that when I'm trying to make a decision and I'm really in turmoil, well, what if this, what if this, I say, you know what, I'm not going to go very far if I live in the what ifs. I just need to trust the Holy Spirit on the inside of me that I hear from God and just start taking steps. So it's really good. good. And and she, uh, she chose to marry me. So (laughs) we love your grandmother. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, I think, okay, so uh, I consume a lot of books, uh, especially in kind of the business realm or self-help realm or leadership management. But there was a book a long time ago, uh, right after we got married, that came out called Finish Rich. Uh, By show of hands, who would like to finish the race rich? Yeah, right. So the author's name is David Bach. It's slightly outdated now, but he's got multiple books since then, like uh, Smart Women, Finish Rich, all these things. But there was a principle in that book that rocked my world, um, and we put it to practice right away. He called it the latte factor, the latte factor. And the concept was if you were to just not go to Starbucks once a day, like just not go to Starbucks once a day and take that five dollars or four fifty or five fifty. It's like eight now. It's eight. How much is a grande latte now? Like seven, like seven bucks. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Okay, 
So you, you don't do it. You keep that money, you invest it in, you know, growth stocks. The concept was if you're in your twenties, which most of you are, if you're in your twenties and you just did that and had that compounding at a a normal compounding rate that you would retire as a millionaire. And it rocked my world because it seemed first simple and secondly, really attainable. Uh, At that time we were definitely... We were definitely going to Starbucks once a day at that time, um, maybe twice, amen. Um, but it worked, and, you know, not to disclose everything, but it worked, right? So uh, we started investing very young after reading that book, and we've done it consistently ever since. So uh, with God's uh, help, for sure, but also just some really smart business investing, it's, it's worked out. So... Uh, David Bach, B-A-C-H, and you could look up. He's got about a dozen books out there. It's awesome. I'm actually reading a book by David Bach right now. I'm reading The Automatic Millionaire, and he just, I just read about the latte factor. I know. Great minds think alike. So I feel inspired. Yeah. We'll let you know if it works for us. No, I'm kidding. Anyways. Okay, so uh, book or advice. Um, I think I'm going to go with advice, too. I would say one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was actually from my mom. Okay, so sometimes your mom does know what she's talking about, okay? Just file that away for when you need it. But um, it was actually when I was a little girl, and how many girls know, like, girls are just a lot. Like, I love women, but we're just a lot sometimes. And um, it was when I was in elementary school, and there was some girl drama on the playground, okay? Now... Listen, I always kind of liked the tea, but I didn't want to be part of the tea, okay? So, like, I would, like, go home and, like, give my mom the rundown on all this stuff that was happening. And she was just, you know, she would sit there and she would listen. And there was this one time, though, where this girl just really was, like, not being nice to me. So I was telling her about it. And I swear this piece of advice has carried me, like, through my adolescence, through my adulthood, through ministry. She looked at me and she goes, you know what, Ashley? She goes, not everybody in life is going to like you. She's like, and that's okay. She's like, it's their problem, not yours. And honestly, if you can truly get that like down in your heart, it's super freeing because, I mean, another way to say it, you could be the ripest, juiciest peach and there's going to be someone that doesn't like peaches. Like, you know what I mean? So um, never compromise like who you are as a person to make friends. Like, of course, that doesn't mean you can't like grow in your people skills or just your self-awareness, but like who you truly are, who God made you to be like, it's okay if not every single person you meet is like your number one fan. So it's really good. So many comments I want to make after the peach comment, but this is, I thought about it. I'm going to keep it, keep it PG. Uh, so to me, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the greatest piece of advice I think that I ever got was uh, someone told me that you have to learn to love without expectation. And I realized how in the natural, how truly impossible that is. You cannot do that in the natural. Um, To truly love somebody, to lay down your life for somebody, even those who do you wrong, even those who despitefully use you, and to actually truly love them and see God's plan and purpose for their life and to love them and serve them uh, without expecting them to treat you in any way in return, that if you could truly love like that, uh, you, would, uh, you would be successful in life. 
And so I think the, the greatest lesson I've learned is in every situation, it's carried me through so many situations that if I could just truly love people the way God loved them, I would love without expectation, with nothing in return, because that's what God did with us. So. Okay, so, you know, I don't read a whole lot, but, <laughs> but there is a book that I did read that, um, that really was impactful to me, and it was a book called Boundaries. And one of the things that it talked about in that book is being, it's okay to say no. And sometimes you're striving, always wanting like to please everybody. But like as you're saying, that just, you just ain't going to do that. So learning to say no and not feel guilty about it, it's okay. And so I feel like that was one of the things that helped me just in my life because with my personality, sometimes I just want everybody to be okay with my decisions. And I want everybody to like my decisions, but just learning to be like, no. You know, so that's good. That's really good. Henry Cloud and John Towson. See, thank you, Mr. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So I would go with an advice. Um, It's kind of along the same lines as Ashley. It was from my dad, and he was kind of like, I don't know if he got it from somewhere, but he kind of quoted it to me and was like, hey, if you want to have the most unhappiest life, try to please everyone. So it's something that kind of stuck with me. It's kind of rule of a thumb. Like, you know, when you want to, you go into people pleasing or you want to make someone happy, it's kind of something that stops me and be like, hey, you know what? You can't please everyone. Be your authentic self. Be you. And that's it. So I thought that was a good advice from my dad. So we're about to get into all of the great questions. So I'm going to start off with here. We got one that says, what is the best way to ask someone on a date? In a serious way, even with an age gap. Now, I don't know how big the age gap is, but there's an age gap. So (laughs) Specifics. I don't know. I don't know. But that was the question. You can answer that differently. (laughs) So anybody wants to jump on that question? Go for that, Miss Denise. <laughs> no, Don. Don. I've never asked anybody on a date. They no, no, Don. Come on, Don. Sorry. I, I feel like there are too many Ms. variables <laughs> in that question. Like Don, the age gap freaked me out. I don't know how big an age gap. Right. Yeah. It doesn't say. Do you want to go? If you're an old creepy guy asking out a young girl, is that what the, is that the question? I don't know. <laughs> They said it's an age gap. So let's change it. Uh, Maybe we can go to tips for an overthinker. Hold on. I want to go back to the first one. I want to go back. (laughs) And let me answer this. Listen, okay, I'm old school. I'm old school. So one thing I see a lot today is like a bunch of guys coming up to girls asking for Snapchat or things like I'm like, that's not it. Like, if you're looking for a mature relationship, like, guys, I'm just trying to help show them the woman that you're man enough to come up to them and say, Hey, I'm just wondering, no pressure, but I would love to take you out for coffee sometime. That's just like shows you number one, the maturity and the intention that you want to get to know someone, not really just get pictures from them and try to hang out later. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you have good intentions when you can get up, go in person face to face and just be confident, guys, like be brave, like five seconds of boldness, okay? Just take that in. And what, what's the worst? They say no, all right? And then there's a thousand millions of other fish in the sea, okay? You just 
move on. Thousands and millions of fish in the sea. So you said the word intentional. I think that's key. Like be intentional about it. Um, and then show some honor. Like if you're, if you're getting bold and asking, I'm talking as a guy asking a girl out, like put some thought into it. Like do something where they can see your intention of just being honorable to them and respecting the time that you're going to have together. Not just, you know, hopefully we can have a conversation over a coffee and I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. I hope it's the best conversation we ever had. That's, that's pretty lame. I think you got to go into it like with some intentionality to make it special, not just a, a waste of time. That's awesome. So we're getting a lot of dating questions. So a lot of people want to know about dating and relationships. So we have a question that says, how to know you have peace about a relationship and that you are making the right decision? Mm. (laughs) All right. I'll take that. Um, So... You know, how to know that you're making the right decision. First of all, let me just dispel um, this myth out there that there is one right person for you. Okay, let's take the pressure off. All right, because let's think about this logically. Just do the math, right? Like, what if, like, you're here in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and the one person for you is in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, and... And you never go there. I, okay. use that, I use that town all the time when I speak. I, I always say Sheboygan. <laughs> and you never go there, yeah. you know? And then what if they meet somebody in Sheboygan and now they've taken, that was your perfect person and now they've taken somebody else. It yeah. just it mathematically doesn't work. So take the pressure off of yourself. There's not just one perfect person. Um, I think that there can be many different people uh, for you. Probably some are better choices than others. Um, But really, um, first of all, of course, you know, seeking the Lord, the the Holy Spirit, um, and making sure that you don't have a check on the inside about something. Um, I would say, number two, the more that you can have in common, the better. Because celebrating in June almost 24 years of marriage... Um, there's a lot of ups, there's a lot of downs, uh, but the one thing that is consistent is having the things in common and, and really truly being best friends. Um, that gets you through a lot. Um, if you don't like a lot of the same things or don't, you know, enjoy the same food or going to do the same things, it's going to be pretty difficult. Um, and then making sure that you have somewhat of, you know, common goals and whatever you want to do in life, whatever you envision your life looking like, of course, that that, you know, the, the road is winding and that can change, but, um, making sure that your life goals, you know, match. Um, so that's what I would I think say. Also looking for potential. Yes. I feel like I see a lot of young people, uh, have expectations, of someone that's been in, like a guy that's been in their, his career for 20 years, um, but, but the guy's only 20, right. right? So there's a lot of expectations that are put on, on, on women that they would be able to do so many things that, I mean, they're still just 20. So what you, I feel you're looking for when you say, is it right, is the potential there. Are they appropriately taking care of their business at their age, at their level? 
right? Do they pay their bills on time? Do they show up on time? Um, do they take care of themselves? Do they love the people around them? Those types of things are what I would just say is like age appropriate. So yeah. right is hard when you're thinking what they would look like in 20 years. So what do they look like now? Are they successful where they are? I always say like I married potential, like who Don is at, well, we won't say how old, but I'm almost, um, almost 50, yeah. almost 50. <laughs> um, you know, was not who he was at 26, but I could see the potential in him. So sometimes you have to look beyond, uh, you know, just the here and now and see the potential, see the character. Character is really important. Yeah. Um, is that guy physically always pushing you to go further than you want to go? Yeah. Um, that's not honoring and that's not going to stop after you get married. So you might want to think twice. It's really good. Um, so, you know, you need to look at those type of things. It's really good. Yeah. I want to, I, I just want to piggyback off of both of those. Chemistry is important. Chemistry is super important. Like the fact that, like you said, you have things in common. Like they always say, like you marry your best friend. A lot of times you're looking in all the wrong areas. Typically it's the person that's right there next to you. You're just overlooked them because they're too available. A lot of girls, I hear that. They're just too available. They're just too available. Well, yeah, but he's got good character. He's a really good guy. He has potential. And you know what? He likes all the same things you do. There's long distance there. Like, Ashley was, to me, just a best friend. Like, she, she was, we, we, could, we liked the same things. We liked traveling. We just, it was just easy to click. And so we could talk for hours. Actually, we f- fell in love not by going out on dates. It was talking over the phone because we were separated over a summer. Uh, and I fell in love with her over the phone because I just couldn't stop talking to her. Uh, and that was chemistry. But then also, potential is important. Uh, because like they said, like a lot of people I see, like, they're like, I have to see every part of them before I make a decision like marriage. Okay. Like, I don't agree with that because to me, like there's covenant in that. And it's actually your job to come together to help cultivate one another in who God has called them to be. That's so good. So like for me and Ashley, like I'm telling you, I wouldn't have the job that I have now if I didn't get married when I did. Because my maturity level would not have grown as rapidly fast as it did if I didn't have my wife to call me out on my immaturity. But the thing was amazing was, is I, we had covenant and commitment even in my immaturity, but I came up out of my immaturity way quicker because I had a wife to, to cultivate that out of me. It's really so, good. Amen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all her. I, I, I want to say, add to that too, like I think sometimes too as Christians, um, you know, when we're looking for a spouse, everybody's like, well, what you looking for? Well, they want, I want them to be saved. Well, that's fine. That's one area. Yeah. That's one area. But like, do you have fun together? Cause I mean, like, I'm glad that y'all can shine die together and y'all like to read the word together, but like, do y'all have fun together? Are there other things? And so I think sometimes Christians over spiritualize yeah. this whole dating process and you're just, it's collecting data. Yeah. You're getting to know that person, but we like over-spiritualize everything because and nobody wants to be with an over-spiritual person. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody's married in heaven. So marriage is a very earthly thing. So it's very natural. Those are some great answers. So just piggybacking on that, someone would like to know if you could go back, how would you better prepare for full-time ministry financially, spiritually, and mentally? 
Is that specifically into ministry under those areas? How would you better prepare for full-time ministry? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take, um, we were in full-time ministry there for a while. Um, Full-time ministry, I'm not in it right now full-time, but I'm married to someone who is. It is uh, really challenging because you're dealing often with many people's darkest moments, right? Um, so I, I think that you have to have your house in order. Um, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with just trying to get through the day and not able to work through and unpack emotions and not being able to, to study uh, things like psychology and human interaction and the things that help you deal with others, and then all of a sudden you're in a position where others are looking for advice from you, um, man, that's a really messed up place to come from. Uh, to give advice when you don't, you don't have some things in order. So I would say financially, you're not going to make a lot early in ministry. So be secure financially. Um, and then emotionally, like don't be surprised that you have emotions, learn about them, take some personality tests, figure out who you are, what it is that makes you tick. You know, I'm an aesthetic, which means when people say something to me, it's much more in how they say it than what they say. And I can react very emotionally to something that maybe someone who's pragmatic like my wife, not that she's emotionless, because she's not, we love her. Um, but like know that, study that, learn that, because as people come to you in ministry, they're going to be asking spiritual questions, but often they just need some really good advice about what's going on in their life, Right. I would say for me, um, I wish that I would have gone to counseling earlier. Um, so I've, I still go to counseling uh, because when you're in ministry, you're dealing with a lot of people's stuff. And that's really hard to take on and process. Um, and me, like I, I feel things deeply with people and it would just totally wreck me. Um, so I wish I would have started going to counseling sooner, kind of get my emotional stuff all taken care of and then continue to go so that when people are bringing their emotional stuff to you, you have an outlet to tell somebody. Um, one of the things that I just wish I would have I've learned along the way is the moment that you think you know something you don't. Um, so when I say that, I mean, the biggest thing is in ministry is staying humble, staying teachable. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, I believe is in Micah uh, six. It says to do justly, love mercy and to walk humbly. And I can't say like how I would have wish I would have learned that before I stepped into ministry because here's the thing in ministry is you're in a glass house, so you got to do things right. You don't have a lot of room for mistakes. But at the same time, you're going to be dealing with a lot of people who make a lot of mistakes, and you can't judge them because they need you. So you have to give mercy. You have to love mercy. But then at the same time, when you see people going through hard things and difficult things, and you're carrying that, that weight could crush you if you're not careful. So I second what Pastor Denise said about seeing counseling just like yourself. Like I I do counseling as well because we all have blind spots and things like that that we miss. But the last one is that don't ever think, my grandma always said this, 
I would judge someone as a pastor's kid at the table and she'd say, you're not dead yet. You're not dead yet. Every time and I'm like, grandma, what do you mean? You're not, she goes, that could happen to you. And I realized that the more you take on of people's hurts and pains and the more you try to carry, sometimes the enemy will use that to destroy you. So before you judge them, you need to take yourself in account and be humble and pray over yourself and not ever feel like you have it all together because the moment you do, it'll wipe you out. Pride is a, is a nasty thing. So I live by that. Uh, do justly. Love mercy. People need mercy. We're all human. We're all in different seasons of life. But then lastly is walk humbly. Uh, you don't know it all. That's, that's for me. Um, I would say, too, that one of the things that I wish I had to learn early in, like, I, I feel like I'm still learning and walking through ministry things, but I wish I would have learned that it's just be yourself. Sometimes in ministry, you know, people want to be in ministry, and we do have people that we look up to, but you're not them. They're not you, and you need to find out what God, because God, he's created you, and he know everything about you, and so the world has a Pastor Denise, a Don, a Pastor Zach, we, it, they need you. And so, like, one thing that I wish I had to really grasp early on was just learning to just be me and who God's created me to be and the expression of the gift that he has given me. And I think those are things that help, you know, you in ministry when you're just try to, just don't try to be nobody else. Yeah, I would also add on to this one. Um, never underestimate the power of seed time and harvest and also understand that if it's your desire to be in ministry someday and to lead people, the seeds that you're sowing right now will show up. Your harvest will show up. And, um, I don't really have time to go into a story, but there was at our first church that we were at, there was a time where I was having a really hard time keeping my heart right, um, towards somebody on staff. And uh, it was like a daily prayer. I was like, God, please just help me with this man. Um, I was praying hard. I was praying relentlessly. And, um, you know, I just felt like I was letting my heart get in a really bad place. And within 90 days, I mean, this was my story. I had three different sicknesses. I had strep. I had shingles at 22 years old. And, um, like a really severe sinus infection all within 90 days. And in that particular case, the Holy Spirit showed me, he's like, you're walking in unforgiveness towards a leader of yours. You need to get your heart right. And so ever since then, I made it a point to keep my heart right. And you know, it's easier said than done, but at the end of the day, people in ministry are human. They're human. Just, just like, you know, you guys are human or anybody and you you have to give them grace but you also just have to just worry stay in your lane so to speak like check your heart on a regular basis um so that god can use you to the fullest effect which is what it's all about so that was awesome those were some helpful tips but i have a very serious question that we've been getting in from everyone and they would like to know which place has the best chicken sandwich I'm just, this came in a couple times. So this is a very serious question that they put in. You know, <laughs> I know about some debate. food. No. <laughs> Give it to us. Popeye's chicken. You, you ever, y'all, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what Popeye's do to their chicken, but it's That's different so from false. Chick-fil-A. I don't know. False. <laughs> false. God 
God's chicken. God's chicken. Is the best Chick-fil-A. chicken sandwich. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Chick-fil-A uh, number no. seven. It's God's number. It's been pre-blessed in the back. It's sanctified, anointed chicken. <laughs> They're closed yes. on Sunday, man. I mean... No, but on a serious note, I do have a question that uh, someone asked, and they said, how do you be vulnerable and express your emotions to your spouse or in friendships and relationships? How are you able to be vulnerable? Uh, I don't don't think it's easy. Like, I mean, I'm just thinking about our relationship. Like, we got every year we just get better at it. Um, I think I was saying something about this earlier, but, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be good at a career unless you studied and, and learned how to do that job, right? And it's the same thing with marriage. Marriage is hard. Relationships are hard. Um, and, and they don't get easier. The relationship doesn't get easier after marriage. I think it gets harder. And so if anything, I would say to be vulnerable, um, you have to be willing to be hurt. That's a huge thing. So vulnerability and protection are opposites. So if you're willing to protect, if you, all you want to do is put a wall up and, and never get hurt, you'll never be vulnerable. Um, and, and I think this is going to sound funny because I'm in real estate, but when I meet someone who's getting married and they want to buy a house, I have to tell them about something in the state of Oklahoma. It's very unique in Oklahoma. We're called a common property state. So the state of Oklahoma says, if you own a home together, you don't own it 50-50. That's weird, right? You would think you own it 50-50. In the state of Oklahoma, you own it 100-100. That's weird. That's so different in the thinking, but I think in vulnerability and and that kind of thing, it's the same way. You have to be 100% open in order to be vulnerable. Um, And you're going to be exposed in doing that. And you're going to get hurt. The truth is, Denise was vulnerable with me, and I said things I shouldn't have. And those leave scars, and that leaves marks that take long time to work through. And, and vice versa. I mean, there was times when I'd be vulnerable, and, you know, there'd be a little dig or a little comment that really hurt. Um, but I think it's, first of all, a great question. Like, to want to be vulnerable is a really good mindset and a good place to come from. Um, but it's not easy, and the only way you get there is if you're willing to go 100% in, not just test the waters, not just try a little bit of vulnerability. That's really good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. So just tagging along with the vulnerability, someone would like to know, when is a person ready to start dating? It's that's their first question. And the other part is, should you be going on dates if you're not ready for marriage? Wow. It's a double question. Um, okay, well, I, have, I, I don't know how to tell somebody when they're ready to date. I don't really have an answer for that. Right. But should you be going out on dates if you're not ready to get married? Yes. Um, so the only way to get ready for marriage is to be around the opposite gender and go out on dates and find out what you don't like in a person, qualities that you don't like and qualities that you do like. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're ready to marry at all, but if you never get out there and date, how are you going to know if certain things get on your nerves or, Oh, I didn't know that I would like this quality, but I really like this quality in a person. So that's really good. Um, 
as I, I think this is just advice. I, don't, I think it's just a personal preference, but it could help somebody. Um, you know, when you're reading in the book of Genesis, you know, when God gave Adam Eve, uh, I remember the one time I was talking to somebody, what did God give Adam before he gave Adam a partner? And I remember God showed this to me. It was three P's that God gave Adam before he gave Adam a partner. First, he gave Adam a place. Then he gave Adam purpose. And then he gave Adam parameters. Or we could say boundaries. And then Eve showed up. So to me, one really good thing is when you're getting ready for a partner, things that you should be looking at is where has God placed me? Get rooted. Get grounded. What is my purpose in this place? Okay? And then when you're walking out your purpose, start building, like Anthony said with the book, boundaries or parameters. Things, you know, that God or the Holy Spirit is telling you to do and what not to do. And you focus on that. And I believe that what we see in there in Genesis is God says, okay, this person's ready for a helpmate to strive and walk along them and what he's called to do. So that might help. But That's really good. Now, do you have any best tips of keeping boundaries within those relationships? Like any tips of yes, I boundaries? Do. I, li- I made out this whole list of boundaries when I was in high school and dating. But you have to communicate your boundaries, okay? So if you're in a relationship, um, think about the things that are like non-negotiables for you, okay? And obviously there's some areas of relationships where you're going to have to compromise or maybe it doesn't turn out like you thought it would. But um, I think it's important to to kind of have like those key boundaries that you know will keep you on the straight and narrow. And um, maybe not like on your first getting to know each other date. Cause that's just kind of weird. But like, you know, as the relationship like progresses, like, and you're like, Oh, like we, we might be an item. You're spending a lot of alone time together. Like it's important to vocalize. Like, I just want to let you know, these are my boundaries and that's what I expect. Um, and just communicate that. So I, I always like to say the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> and so I will always say, just don't ever put yourself in a compromising situation. Like, you know, don't, you know, of course you want to be by yourself or be alone. But if you know they got their own place, I mean, come on. We just ain't got the, the Holy Ghost ain't got to lead us. Probably not going to be a good scenario. So just, you know, just, just, just use wisdom and know, like, and know yourself. Like, okay, you know what? That's too far. I can't, because I can't tell you what your boundary is. Because you may can have a boundary that somebody else may can't have and so um that's what i would say i'm just saying 11 o'clock your voice get deeper something happens (laughs) (laughs) your voice get a little low i gotta add in i love what dean tad says the music right the music come on yes something happened dean tad i love at the beginning when we were in school dean tad said you got to be careful he goes now some of y'all want to get together in your dorm room and you want to pray together Girls and boys, he goes, and then all of a sudden you're praying together, then you're praying and kneeling at the bed together, then you're in the bed. Right. And he goes, you just got to, you got to avoid those things. I'll be very honest right now. When Ashley and I started dating, listen, this girl was, I was attracted to her. She was fine. I was like, listen, I got to set up some boundaries. So what we said was I had an apartment and we had rules. Okay. If she's over, we never go into the bedroom, yeah. Period. We're in the living room. We had roommates. We never go in the bedroom. But then also, we had a curfew. We had to give ourselves that because, listen, 
past 10, 11 o'clock, ain't nothing good going to come out of that. Why? Because I'm a man, she's a woman, and we're attracted to each other. It's natural, okay? It's okay to have that, but it's good to communicate those boundaries, put them in place to keep yourself safe, so... That's awesome. So what about for the people now that they're saying, okay, I have the boundaries up, so I'm going to stay single. What is the best way to enjoy singleness and submit yourself completely to God? Well, it's an amazing phase for that. I think Paul talks about that, right? So uh, I think a lot of single people don't have that mindset. There's a lot of people that are single that are just chasing, looking, wanting, you know, always trying to find a relationship. But if you're really wanting to focus on deepening that relationship with God, you have more time than anyone in a relationship to do it. I mean, really dive in deep and, and, you know, learn more of the word, go deeper in your studies and, um, man, what an awesome time when you're single to be able to do that, you know? Yeah. Get involved, um, with church and, and volunteering in a lot of different areas, uh, might be a time to really broaden those gifts and talents, um, that the Lord has been asking you to do. Maybe it's you know, learning an instrument so that you can, you know, serve on the worship team, or maybe it's learning like how to run a camera or pro presenter, um, you know, and just really submitting yourself to the Lord and saying, you know, Hey, how can I best help the church? Um, so that would be a great thing to do. Love it. Yeah. I think for me, I was single for a long time. Um, and I think some tips are like, social media. If you're looking at things like weddings and marriage and all that kind of stuff, maybe you need to take a break from it and just meditate on things where you're at. Because sometimes when you're moved by what you see, you know, you start wanting to do that, or it's always on your brain, or you see someone else getting married or someone else is getting engaged and they're comes in comparison, what's different or wrong with them compared to me, timing. But I just think just taking some practical tips and just cutting off things that are distractions that are going to cause you to think, well, why aren't I married? Why am I alone? Why am I by myself? And just think of it in a way like I'm independent. I am by myself for a a reason. I'm going to be better for my spouse for a purpose. So just speaking from experience, so you are not alone, you will get married. (laughs) But, um, I think we have another question that came in and this is for Miss Denise. They wanted to know what is one anchor moment. They use that terminology that made you think God is for me. Wow. Okay. Well, you must've been at a woman's conference or heard, (laughs) Um, my anchor moments. Um, oh gosh, that is a big one. Okay. Say, say it to me again. Say it so to me. what is one anchor moment that made you think God is for me? One of your experiences that you were like, God, you showed up like this is you. Okay. I'm going to throw it way back. Okay, way back to the, to the early 90s. Ooh. I'm going to throw it back to 1992 really? um, when I was in college, all right? Yeah. Um, so this is going to sound so random, but it really was an anchor moment for me. And oftentimes when I feel like God is not for me, I go back to this moment. I really do. I was a freshman at Oklahoma State University. 
And let me just tell you, I was not living for the Lord at all. I mean, I was going to places, doing things that were not glorifying to the Lord at all. And, um, I remember on our campus, there had been like a lot of, there had been this guy and they hadn't caught him and he was like raping college girls. Like late at night, he'd be in the parking lots, like two in the morning and that was happening. Well, one night, um, I had been out to Tumbleweeds. It's a bar at Oklahoma State University. And, um, I mean, I should not have been driving. Let me just tell you this. I had been drinking. I shouldn't have been driving. It was not a good situation. Uh, They didn't have Ubers back then, so I had to drive myself home. And it was literally 3 o'clock in the morning, and I drove around the parking lot, and it was totally full. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's this rapist. Like, I'm going to have to park so far away. And my mind just goes, I mean, I am freaking out. And even though I was not where I needed to be, I just cried out to God. I'm like, God, you've got to help me. And so, I mean, I knew the Holy Ghost. I had been raised in church. And so I heard the Lord say, drive to the front of the dorm. And I remember thinking, well, that's dumb. Like, I was just there. Like, there's not going to be a parking place. I drove there, and there was a parking place at 3 a.m. right in front of the door of my dorm. And I instantly knew that was an anchor moment for me. And I just broke down in my car and I cried. And I'm like, God, even though I am sitting here like I'm drunk and I'm not serving you, you still hear me and care about me so much that you would do this. And that is that has really been an anchor moment for me that at times, I mean, we all mess up. Maybe, you know, I don't mess up to that extent anymore, but we all miss it and mess up and can feel like, oh man, God, are you even there? And I go back to that moment that even when I wasn't doing what I needed to do, God was still there for me and he never leaves me or forsakes me. That's really really good. good. Does anybody have any anchor moment they can think of that God showed up for them also or? You're good. All right. So on that flow, someone would like to know, how are you supposed to disconnect from a deep bond that isn't helping you build a relationship with God? So they didn't say if it's maybe a friendship or relationship, but there is something that's keeping them away from stepping in maybe to a greater relationship with God. I mean, the, first thought I have is it's either like some kind of addiction or something like that, or a relationship, a person or, or something. So, um, one thing is for sure, you can't do both. Like you, you can't separate and have uh, separation and, and space and still be completely connected. Right. And I see people do that all the time. One thing that you, uh, cool young people, probably don't know about us uncool old people, not my wife, me. Um, like, I totally don't understand how you guys date now, right? Like this whole, well, we're, is talking? Talking. Don't even know what that means. Um, then there's the phase when you're not talking, but you are talking. And but you're not allowed to talk to anybody else. Yeah, you're like, exclusively you're not, not talking, talking right? Can. That's the one that freaks me out. Like, I don't get it, right? So here, I know it sounds funny, but it's true. Like, it's foreign language to me. Um, I, I sort of remember, it was a long time ago, 
like we were either really dating or we were really not dating, right? It was kind of like one or the other. And then every once in a while, you might bump back into each other's life or something. Um, but I think there's a real uh, issue in society right now where you're not wanting to separate. There's something that you're feeling, if I let go, if I move on, I, I've lost or I've failed. Um, but the truth is, that's just part of life, right? Part of life is you're not going to be in the same job you're in right now forever, right? Part of life is you're not going to drive the same car you drive right now forever. You're not going to live in the same home. You're likely not going to marry those first few people that you, you meet, right? So I think it's important to actually separate. And, and, you know, that bond, whatever it is, if it's an addiction, if it's something else that's holding you back, you've just got to put a stop to it. You've got to put an end to it. And don't drag it out because I think the longer you drag things out, the more damage that is done. Yeah. Yeah. And so they just said it's actually a friendship. Yes. Friends can really drag you down. Yeah. Yeah. I know. um, I know for me, um, you know, there's different seasons, you know, and God has different seasons for us. And I remember I had this one friend and I absolutely loved being around her. We laughed. I mean, she's a great girl, nothing wrong. But the Lord um, was asking me to step up a little higher in my relationship with him. And, you know, my friend just, just wasn't there. She wasn't doing anything wrong. She wasn't living in sin. She just wasn't there. And every time I was around her, it would just kind of take me back into that kind of like lower season. And, you know, I just had to realize that I had to be really thankful for the season that I had that friendship. But um, what God was calling me to was just a different path. And it didn't mean that anything was wrong with her. Um, and honestly, I, I just, I had to level with her and I just had to say, you know, um, I love you. You're great. We've had a lot of great times, but I, I really feel like our friendship really needs to come to an end. I feel like God's calling me to do some different things and I really need to spend more time concentrating on that. Um, and so I just really need to be focused on that right now. And so sometimes you just have to, you know, do it. That's awesome. Can I piggyback off what Don was saying? I know it wasn't to the friendship, but one thing that I've noticed a lot with this generation with young adults and stuff like that is you're in a good relationship, but then because you want to get closer to God, you feel like you have to push the person you're with away to do that. And and then it's kind of like you're in this season where it's like, you don't know if you're committed or together. Like Don was saying, it's like you're talking, but you're not talking. We did, you just don't know where they're at. And it's kind of like you can't talk to anybody else, but because I'm getting close to God, like I still have you on a chain. I just want you there for when I'm good and then you can come back. Listen, ask yourself the question, if I can't get close to God with this person, wow. then there ain't, they ain't so it. Because to me, my wife helped me get closer to God. Yes. And vice versa, I help my wife get closer to God. You are coming together. A lot of people say it's two perfect people coming together. No, it's two unperfect people who have a lot of problems coming together to learn how to communicate those problems and then to cultivate and, and love and cherish each other to help each other get closer to God. I would say, now, I know a lot of people have opinions on this, but this is my thoughts that 
the number one purpose of marriage is not happiness. It is a fruit of it. The number one purpose of marriage, I believe, is holiness. That you guys come together to help each other achieve a greater relationship with God together. And in that, you will find happiness. And it'll be a joyful marriage. Uh, But you are helping each other. So do not push that person away to get closer to God. Either they're going to help you get closer to God or they're not. And then you That's really it. good. Is that some good information? So this question um, goes out to everyone, and this is what they said. You all look healthy. When do you work out in your busy schedule? So my husband and I will take that by faith. <laughs> <laughs> so they want to know, in your busy schedule, when do you find time to work out? Well, for Don and I, we actually, uh, we work out with a trainer twice, twice a week. Um, so actually tomorrow morning, every Tuesday morning and every Thursday morning, we get up at 4.30 a.m. And I know. And uh, we have some coffee, take our dogs out, and then we head to the trainer for an hour. Um, and then we usually work out a couple of times, like at home, like this morning at 5.45 a.m. We got up at 5.30. Uh, we walked for a mile and a half from 5.45 to 6.15 a.m. For us, if we don't wake up really early and get it done, um, things just happen during the day, and then we don't feel like it at night. Yeah, so um, everybody's schedule is different. I think there's lots of phases of life. Like, you guys have little kids. We're empty nesters. So it's like there's different phases, but... Um, I don't know anyone that's successful in this life that isn't able to get more done than the average person. So I want that to sink in because I feel like we've accepted laziness as an acceptable form of scheduling. Um, And I will talk to you as many times as you want on this, but society has allowed us to be lazy and still think that we're going to have some massive, you know, viral thing happen and we're going to be really rich because we got really lucky. Um, if you're not getting stuff done, it's only your fault, right? So learn time management. I think learn about prioritization, Right? Pull up your screen time on your phone, and I guarantee there's workout time available in that block. Right? If you go find, I don't even want to know, three hours, four hours, five hours of screen time, whatever that number is, you can find 30 minutes or 45 minutes in, in there to do that. Yeah, and too, I feel like you're never going to have more time than what you have right now. Like, you know what I mean? Um, different seasons can present different challenges, but... Like Dawn said, like if you're growing and you have things that are happening in your life, I mean, Pastor Denise and Don are very busy people. Like, you know what I mean? If you're not making time for it right now, like you, I promise you, you have more time right now than what you ever will at any other point. And so if it's important to you, I mean, now is the time. Like, don't wait. Don't try to talk yourself into it. My personality struggles with that sometimes. Um, I'm currently not working out because I'm pregnant. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't a legit excuse, yeah. but I really wasn't working out before I was pregnant. And you're not supposed to start once you are. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to risk the baby's life. So I'm not really working out right now. I'm doing what's best for my family. But uh, 
But seriously, you, I love you. Keep saying like you're like I'm you know, convincing no, it's really myself. Good. Yeah, it's really good. But you will never have more time than what you have right now. So if it's important to you and your health should be important to you, you should absolutely prioritize it. There's a there's a law of physics that says a body in motion tends to stay in motion, and a body at rest tends to stay at rest. Um, not a science guy, but it was one of those things I remember learning in high school. It's so true. If you ask any leader who they will give the most important project to, they're going to give it to their busiest person. They're not looking around the room for the person that has the most capacity, the most available time. They're looking for the person that's already slammed because someone that is slammed can fit in something important on top of being busy much better than someone who's laying around doing nothing all day. You can't get up to speed when you're not doing anything, right? So that's just a business guy talking. If you're coming to want to work for me, you better not have been playing video games all day, right? If you want to make a lot of money and come work for me, you better be moving before you come in the door, right? That's really good advice. Y'all, I just drop down and do 50 push-ups before bed and then hop in. That's, that's, that's about it. I do. I have a pull-up bar. Do a few pull-ups before bed. Do a couple push-ups. I can't no, do I a pull-up. In this season of my life, I tried to get up at 4.30, um, and I was going to a gym uh, there for a while until, uh, see, when I get home from work because of the season, it's all about seasons of life, really. When I come home from work, I've got two small boys that want to wrestle from the moment I get home to the moment they go to bed and they fight bedtime and you get them in bed and you help clean up dinner. And then finally you and your wife have 45 minutes to talk after a whole day, but then you fall asleep talking because you're so tired. But so for, and I quit going because I was waking up at four thirty and I was on my way home. True story. I fell asleep 30 feet driving from my driveway and smoked my neighbor's mailbox and uh, yeah, that wasn't my proudest moment. That was his last morning going to the gym. I was that done. Was, I was like, no, you can't. That was my last morning working out. And then I, I bought a, like a $15 home gym pull-up thing. And I, I do that right before bed, do some push-ups, hop into bed. That's, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> that's awesome. So we're going to start wrapping things up. We have one final question. Everyone wants to know what's on your playlist so what is one favorite Christian song that you're playing right now when you jump in the car? What's your go-to song? Do you got one? Mine's is Gyra, but like the remix with Limo Blaze. And so I put that on and like I'm jamming all the way through. That's like my go-to. Does everybody know that one? The, okay, good. So? Okay, for me... Um my current song that I really is go to is Breathe by Maverick City. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Anyone else? Yeah. So I have what's called chronic lyricosis. So I love music. I just don't remember anything about music. Um, I was the guy that would sing at the top of my lungs, but the wrong words. Yeah, but there is there is a song, and I know it's been really played, but... Um, man, when I hear it, it actually still makes me cry every time. And it's, uh, the blessing. Um, and there's specifically one line in that song. So as, as you get older, I think there's certain things that hit you different, but, um, there's that, that line that's talking about generation after generation. Someone help me out. How's it go? 
generations. Yeah. And your children and their children. Oh, goodness, y'all. Because I want so badly to leave a legacy for my kids and their kids. So um, my why that gets me up in the morning is that generations that I'll never meet were impacted by my efforts. Um, And so when I hear that line, it blows me away, right? Yeah. That's fire. Y'all need to write that down. Yeah, you need to write that down. A song that I've been kind of, you know, I'm I'm an old school kind of a guy. I I like I like the old stuff. (laughs) I'm just old. But uh, (laughs) but there's a song: the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases; His mercies never come to an end, for they are new every morning. New every morning. Reverb. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. And I just, I just think about how sometimes we're so unfaithful. But he's still so faithful to us. So that's what I just, that's been my jam. That's good. Ashley, do you have one favorite song? I have two. I have like a praise song that I like play out until I just can't anymore. And then I have like a worship song. So my praise song is actually um, one off of Israel Houghton's newer album. It's called Wrong About You. I don't know how many people have heard it, but the whole song is like about like what you think about God. Like I used to think that you were angry, that there were conditions to your mercy. If I'd work hard enough that you would save me. And the whole song, like the courses, I'm so glad I was wrong about you. And it's kind of got like this folky tune to it. And it just makes me happy. So I listen to that a lot. My boys love it too. And they always ride with me. So they have to like my songs as well. Um, but I would say another one that I just really like right now is um, Endless Praise. So it's a really good one. I'm on her with that, with endless praise. Uh, uh, Another glimpse of glory I sing once more hits me every single time. Um, But the other one that I have regular is the Lord, you are good. Uh, Not the fast one we sing, but Lord, you are good. You've been so good. Lord, Anthony can sing better than I can. But that song... uh, it gets me every single time. Uh, it, two, it's coming from such a raw place in this guy's life that, because he said I had to declare out of a hard place. And many times you find yourself in situations that you don't feel like you have what it takes, but you know God is all you need. And I just constantly say, Lord, like, you're good. <laughs> you carry me through. So that song is um, uh, on repeat for me. Well, guys, I just want to close this out. Um, you know, there have been a lot of great questions, and I'm sorry we didn't get to all of them. But, you know, you guys had some really great questions. It sounds like you're really searching for a lot of answers. And, you know, on your journey of being a young adult, remember that. It's a journey. Don't feel pressured to know everything right now and have it all figured out. You have a long time to figure it out. You know, just every day, endeavor to wake up and say, hey, God, it's you and me today. We're on this journey together. 
Help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit on the inside and help me to do what you want me to do and go where you want me to go and say what you want me to say. And as long as you do that every day, I promise you, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. So let me pray for you really quick before we go. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for every single person in this room, Lord. We just thank you for how precious that they are to you. Thank you, Father, that you love each of us so much that we can never comprehend how much that you love us, how much that you care about us. And Lord, just help us to remember each and every day that we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to figure it all out, that you are with us. And Father, whenever we are weak, that's the best possible scenario because that's when your strength kicks in. And Father, help us to daily remember just to check on the inside with the Holy Spirit. And Father, give each of these young people here um, wisdom and knowledge. Father, just beyond their years, you said that if we lack wisdom to ask and it shall be given unto us. So we just ask you for each individual in here, Father, that you would just give them wisdom beyond their years to be able to accomplish the plan that you have for them. And we thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, Zach. There we go. Hey, can we give it up for each one of these guys coming up here with us tonight? Um, Listen, I I believe we're going to be doing these when we come back uh, in the fall. So when you guys come back, these are something that we're going to be doing more regularly. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know about you guys. Take those nuggets. Take them home. They'll be valuable to you in seasons of your life coming forward. Thank you so much for joining us. We believe that through this message, you were inspired and encouraged to grow in your daily walk with God. See you next time on the Raymond Young Adults Podcast.